0: Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Scott. Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we'll be talking about Bruce Springsteen's song Seeds, first released on 1986's Live 1975 to 85. On this podcast, we've obviously chosen a wide variety of different songs, some from soundtracks, probably a B-side along the way. And interestingly, this is the first time we've chosen a live track that does not have a studio version. And perhaps it makes sense if we're going to do it for anybody to do it for Bruce Springsteen.
1: It does make a lot of sense because Bruce is such a, the the, the live show is such an integral part of what makes Bruce Springsteen, you know the, the icon that he is, you know, I mean, obviously he, he creates stellar studio material and, you know, is, is a great songwriter and, and all that. And obviously, you know, legendary hits tons of number one hits, uh, you know, that you hear on the radio all the time. And that's, you know, a huge aspect of what's made him so successful, but I think what's made him so uh, like powerfully um, important to the Bruce Springsteen fan base is the live show it's 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 being in the room with him and feeling the energy that he presents you know through his band and through his music and so yeah so it makes sense that if you know if you're gonna say oh we need to pick a song from you know a particular act and it has to be a live song it makes sense to do it for for bruce for the for the boss (laughs) for the boss
0: All right, so let's get into the history of Bruce Springsteen and talking about where the song Seeds came from. Bruce Springsteen was born in 1949 in New Jersey. He grew up in Freehold with his parents, Douglas and Adele, and two younger sisters, Virginia and Pamela. When he was seven years old, he saw Elvis performing on The Ed Sullivan Show, which deepened his interest in music. And when he first unsuccessfully took guitar lessons on a rented instrument. He'd rededicate himself to making a career in music when, in 1964, the Beatles also performed on The Ed Sullivan Show. After seeing them, he went out, bought himself a guitar, and began playing locally in his first band, The Rogues. As often happens, his interest in music meant he wasn't too keen on school, but he graduated in 1967. Around this time, he was called up for the draft to head to Vietnam. However, he didn't pass a physical exam due to a motorcycle accident that had resulted in a concussion, and so he didn't fight in the war. We'll talk a little bit more about this later in the episode. In 1969, the Springsteen family moved to California, except for his sister Virginia, now married, and Bruce, who continued to perform in the area. By 1971, Bruce was regularly playing shows in not only New Jersey, but also Virginia, Nashville, and California. His performances and songs gained him a small but dedicated following, and in 1972, thanks to the help of new management, he auditioned for John Hammond of Columbia Records. Clive Davis signed him to the label, and Springsteen started work on his debut album. He put a new band together that would later become known as the iconic E Street Band. The band became a momentary point of contention with Columbia, as there was an expectation from the label that the record would be more acoustic-based and perform solo. Perhaps this view was due to the comparison Springsteen received to Bob Dylan in his poetic lyrics and folk rock-influenced sound, as well as Columbia having signed Dylan a decade earlier and obviously hoping to repeat that success. Springsteen liked the full band versions of the tracks, and his manager, Mike Appel, and the label preferred the solo tunes. They agreed to feature both on the record with five solo songs and five band songs. Despite the compromise, Clive Davis didn't approve of the record, not hearing a solid hit on it, and two new songs, Blinded by the Light and Spirit in the Night, were written and recorded, and the track list was reworked to nine songs. In 1973, Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey was released. Let's take a listen to Blinded by the Light, one of those late additions to the record, and a song where you may be more familiar with the cover version performed by Manfred Mann's Earth Band a few years later.
2: me with save the bush, I turn up the band.
0: album was a critical success, with many of the reviews praising Springsteen's unique songwriting, even noting the quantity of words he'd managed to fit into some songs, again earning him some Dylan comparisons. But despite the praise and the invocation of Dylan in reviews, it didn't translate into big sales, peaking at 60. The follow-up record, The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle, shifted away from the folk influences into more rock and roll territory. Also released in 1973, the record performed similarly to the first, adored by critics, but failing to find commercial success. All that would soon change with 1975's Born to Run. Working on the record began the year before, starting in May 1974 and continuing for 14 months as Springsteen struggled to find the sound he wanted, inspired by Phil Spector's wall of sound production. And feeling the pressure of Columbia, who were giving him financial support for that time in the studio and were planning a large marketing campaign to promote its release, they were committed to ensuring the commercial success that had eluded Springsteen. Despite the frustrations along the way, it would pay off, becoming one of the most beloved albums in Springsteen's discography, peaking at number three, and even re entering the charts years later when Springsteen released other albums. Here's the title track Born to Run. Sprung
3: from cages on our-
0: Springsteen and the E Street Band, as they were now known by this time, had additional time out on the road as Springsteen and his manager, Mike Appel, parted ways following Born to Run due to the troubled recording sessions. John Landau had been brought in to help finish Born to Run, and Springsteen hired him as his new manager and producer. The ensuing legal disputes with Appel prevented Springsteen from recording new material until settled, so the band toured and worked on their live act, which is now legendary. Once things were finally settled, Springsteen released Darkness on the Edge of Town in 1978 and a double album, The River, in 1980. The River gave Springsteen his first number one record and his first top ten single, Hungry Heart. Let's take a listen. Springsteen would follow up this success with a quiet solo album, Nebraska, which he had intended to re-record with the E Street Band, but he and Landau liked their raw and folk-oriented quality. Having recorded it on a four-track cassette machine, which Springsteen had purchased to help lessen the time he'd spend writing in the studio by being able to record and listen back more easily as he worked on tracks, it is a unique and off-site favorite by musicians and fans alike. Here's Atlantic City.
2: Skin of its teeth. Well, now everything dies, baby. That's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday comes back. Put your makeup on, fix your hair pretty, then.
0: Springsteen quickly got back to rock band form with the E Street Band in 1984's Born in the USA. And while our song Seeds is not on that record, it was written and possibly recorded during these sessions, so we'll circle back to talking about this one. But let's have a quick listen to the title track, Born in the USA. While Springsteen already had success and was critically adored, Born in the USA made him a superstar and popularized what became known as Heartland Rock, which were songs about blue-collar workers, farmers, truckers, and incorporated folk, country, and blues influences. Artists like Tom Petty, Bob Seger, and John Mellencamp would also fall into this genre, and while they had notable careers at this point, Springsteen's successes propelled the musical style. Springsteen would change things up with 1987's Tunnel of Love, only using the E Street band members on a few tracks and recording most of it himself. Let's take a listen to one of my favorites, the title track.
2: That man sitting on a little stool takes his money from my hand while his eyes take a walk all over each hand's me of ticket smiles and whispers good luck, well... Cuddle up angel up my little well, right down baby into this tunnel of love
0: it was a more personal record for Springsteen and more restrained than most of the other albums contemplating love lost as his marriage was falling apart and he'd be divorced the following year that brief marriage to actress and model Julianne Phillips from 85 to 88, was not the only relationship about to end for Springsteen. After the Human Rights Now Tour in 1988, a worldwide tour alongside other artists including Sting and Peter Gabriel to promote Amnesty International, Springsteen let the E Street Band know he wouldn't be continuing to tour or record with them. During this time, Springsteen moved to Los Angeles and worked with session musicians. The results were 1992's Human Touch and Lucky Town, both released on the same day. The two received mixed reviews and were only modest hits, especially compared to the 70s and 80s run he had just had. He received the most praise in the 90s with Streets of Philadelphia, a song for the 1994 film Philadelphia starring Tom Hanks, going on to win an Academy Award for it. I
2: was bruised and battered, I couldn't tell what I felt I was Unrecognizable to myself I saw my reflection in a window and didn't know my own face So oh, brother, gonna leave me wasting away in the streets of Philadelphia?
0: After releasing The Ghost of Tom Joe in 1995, a folk album in the stripped-down style of Nebraska, which was mostly well-received by critics but didn't sell well, Springsteen revisited his career with a few reunion shows and an EP with the E Street Band, accompanied by a Greatest Hits record and *Tracks*, a four-disc box set of unreleased material from album sessions over the last 25 years. At the end of the decade, in 1999, Springsteen was inducted into the Rock and Wall Hall of Fame and began a reunion tour with the E Street Band. Which would be their first full tour together in 11 years. This was followed by their first studio album together in 18 years, 2002's The Rising, reflecting on the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon. The album and accompanying tour was eagerly received by fans and hailed by critics who felt it was a return to form after an uneven decade from Springsteen. Let's take a listen to, as we've often done throughout this episode, the title track.
2: On my back's a sixty-pound stone. On my shoulder, half mile line. Come on.
0: Springsteen would continue to indulge in exploring songs left behind through the years, and continue acoustic based records exemplified by 2005's Devils and Dust and We Shall Overcome, a covers album consisting of songs by activist Pete Seeger, as well as record on and off again with the E Street Band. The next three records, Magic, Working on a Dream, and Wrecking Ball, released in 2007, 2009, and 2012 respectively, would reflect those years lyrically. Dealing with the Iraq War, recession, Barack Obama's election win, whom he had vocally supported, and themes of inequality and the American dream becoming increasingly out of reach. The E Street Band would lose founding members Danny Federici, who played keyboards and accordion to cancer in 2008, and saxophonist Clarence Clemens, following a stroke in 2011, but continue on. 2014's High Hopes, an album of covers, outtakes, and re-recorded tracks, was perhaps a surprising release given Springsteen's more consistent narratives and moods and voice on other records. He'd released two more albums, Western Stars and Letter to You, the former exploring southern rock from the 60s and 70s, and the latter of which confronted aging and loss and celebration of life. Springsteen would also develop a Broadway show, which was filmed and released on Netflix, about his childhood and career. He seems to show no signs of slowing down at age 72 with more projects on the horizon and a tour with the E Street Band hinted at for 2022. But now let's head back to the glory days of 1984 and Springsteen's Born in the USA album.
1: We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something. Uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free. And the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon.
0: Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash shuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. Well, there's a man.
1: Jason just went through the history of Bruce Springsteen, and if you'll remember, the career of Bruce Springsteen took a, a drastic, uh, elevated turn when he released *Born in the USA*, which is one of his biggest records of all time, and was you know the one that put him on the map for most mainstream listeners. And it, it, so, our song today, "Seeds," is not on that record because it doesn't have a commercially released studio version uh but we 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 are pretty sure that the song was written at the same time as the Born in the USA album and possibly even recorded but not released but uh the, the important thing to note here is that this song Seeds sounds like it would fit on Born in the USA so we're going to sort of you know just sort of pretend that we know what was going on with the East Street Band at this time and assume that this song Seeds was kind of in the running to be on the record but obviously it wasn't and and so we want to sort of you know expand on that a little bit and and expand on 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 what might have happened so the born in the usa album is is thematically about uh not just the vietnam war but people coming back from the vietnam war people affected by the vietnam war and then just you know the general plight of the, the common American person which is something that Bruce Springsteen will will come back to all the time and this song seeds is it fits in thematically with that immediately but it also kind of sounds a bit like born in the USA the song and so our theory is is that Springsteen was like well I have two songs here one of which is you know super catchy and has a repeatable refrain that people were really attached to and the other one that's sounds similar, but doesn't. So we're going to put Born in the USA on the record and then leave this one off because you can't have two on on one record, basically. That's our theory anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, again, we're, we're just kind of thinking, take, take, taking ourselves back to that moment in time. And over the, the few years leading up to the release of Born in the USA, Springsteen's just like writing and recording and writing and recording and has like all these songs. And he's trying to figure out, you know, what fits where and what makes sense to to use and probably, you know, being inspired of like, oh, I was going to use this song, but you know what, I'm going to go back and write write a better one. So he's even called the Born in the USA album a bit of a grab bag of songs where he's just like I'm not like knocking any of the songs or anything. It's just like I had so many and needed to like come up with and, you know, make make an album out of these like probably record company is just like, um, you know, what, what what's going on? When are you? And it's like I'm busy in in the studio. <laughs> like, give me give me give me some time. So he's got all this material and picking, choosing, and and I'd agree with Scott that when you if you listen to Born in the USA and Seeds back to back, you would notice like that same you know driving beat and you know the full band that is there and loud and you know and it and, and you can imagine him sitting there and being like yeah like this song thematically is like the linchpin. To the album and this other song hits on yeah like important themes that I talk about but I definitely need this other one on there so I think we can kind of feel like that had to have been what happened. Um and we can't really fault Springsteen for you know making that decision um especially because you know it's it's hard to imagine how huge this album was like it it was everywhere. It came out in June of 1984 what was this best selling record of 1985 <laughs> you know it has seven top 10 hits on it for like a 12 track album like it's just crazy to think about so it's probably not surprising the song got left behind but like i said i, I think we can you know def- definitely not fault anyone for for not including it on there and obviously like what do we know i we haven't sold millions and millions of copies of records so <laughs> Park in the So we're pretty sure that there is a recording of the song that exists. Apparently in the studio logs, there's a track called Gone, 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 with the thought that since that phrase is repeated in the lyrics of Seeds, it must be the same song. Obviously, nobody can confirm that for sure, except for, you know, the the people who were in in the studio at the time and Springsteen. So about two years after that, in 1985, the song made its live debut with the full band. And since then, it's been performed a few hundred times. And interestingly, it's been reworked and done in different arrangements over the years, including on solo and acoustic guitar. The arrangement that we took from the original live debut is the one that he's been using for about the past decade now. Um, So it's interesting in preparing for this episode to listen to the different versions of the song that he's tried out over the years. And it might explain some of the hesitance to commit to like the studio like this is the definitive version of the song so that might explain why it never made its way onto the born in the usa album maybe he was like i like this but i'm not sure and at some point i'll try it out on the road and see how it goes and then in trying it out on the road he's like maybe maybe we could do it this way maybe i'll try it this way maybe i'll just do it by myself maybe i'll like add some horns here so i think that helps explain possibly why the song never kind of made it anywhere because he keeps Kind of changing it up and and switching it up.
1: That's really interesting, too, because you know, uh, he's had multiple opportunities to to do this. You know, he's had multiple opportunities to to work this song into a studio recording. And in fact, uh, he did that record, which you mentioned in the in the history, where he kind of like took older material and reprocessed it and redid it. and uh, on on another live album from Bruce Springsteen, the one live in New York City, he does uh, a song on there called 41 shots and that was the live and that was the that was the only version of that song that we had and then later you know what, it was like 15 years later he released that record and he did finally did the studio album so it's not like he's never done this uh, he did a studio version of that song on an album so it's not like he's never done this before it's not like he's ever released a song only in live form and then eventually recorded a studio version of that song and put it out. But for whatever reason, he's just not doing it for this song. This song is like, I don't know, maybe he's just he's just accepted. He's like, this song exists in the live sphere and that's it. It's never going to make its way into a studio form. Maybe he feels like capturing it in a studio will never really capture the power of the song that you can get from having the audience and the, and the energy of the live act at the time and all that stuff. Um, it also could just be thematically because the song is is very dark. It's a very dark song centered on, you know, us similar themes that that Springsteen always comes back to again and again, which is, you know, an American family sort of pushed down by the the society around them. Uh, pushed down by poverty and strife, and uh, not getting the support from the people that they expect to get support from—you know, whether it's the government or the police or you know whatever. Pick, pick your uh, your, your mad your, lives your, your, write a Bruce
0: Springsteen song. Yeah,
1: so yeah, write a Bruce Springsteen song by just filling in the blanks here. This song hits all those beats, but it hits it a little more on the head than I think maybe a lot of other Bruce Springsteen songs do. And as a perfect example, this is "Born in the USA," which most people. Don't understand is is a very anti American song. Very very much. It's very direct. If you read the lyrics for Born in the USA, you're like, whoa, this song is not a positive depiction of what America is. And uh, but most people just know. The, the chorus, which is "Born in the USA,"
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little complicated. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like anti-American, but it's definitely critical of America, right. and and packaged in a song that makes it sound like it's patriotic. So, you know, the 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 music and the chorus is kind of doing one thing, and then listening to the verses, uh, is doing something completely different. And yeah, if you're just like rocking along and only paying attention to the chorus, like you will totally miss the whole point of. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Whereas it, it, that's not
0: really possible with this song. With Seeds,
1: the, the lyrics are very direct and it is very much a dark depiction of what it's like to be poor in the United States. And, you know, another theme that, that Springsteen constantly comes back to is the, uh, the idea that the American dream is dead and in and and is more more of a burden on people than something that actually lifts them up out of poverty. And so I think that with this song, it might just be that Springsteen's like, no, this song, it's too dark. It's too, it, it's not. It's, it's angry. It's not, like, it's, it's, angry. it's so yeah. pissed
0: off. Like, I feel like there are times when, like, Bruce Springsteen's like, I'm upset about this thing. You know, obviously, like, on The Rising, you know, talking about, like, September 11th you know like there are obviously those times to get emotional but I, I feel like yeah this song is kind of like really angry um, so maybe we should take a look at at some of the lyrics here um, just to kind of get some sense of just how down and out this protagonist is in the story and just kind of delve into again you know making connections to other Springsteen songs but also kind of just reflecting on um. I'm not sure if we ever hear Bruce Springsteen this angry on any other song and that might be why like oh I don't want to commit to the studio version because like I don't know maybe maybe you're right Scott talking about like the energy of the crowd and stuff maybe kind of like tamps that down a bit or when other people get into it maybe if you're like sitting there in the studio you're just like no like this doesn't work like here by myself me like screaming into the mic like this. So, in setting up the song, and again, Springsteen's super straightforward. Well, a great black river a man had found, so he put all his money in a hole in the ground and sent a big steel arm driving down, down, down. Man, now I live on the streets of Houston town. So... uh, We said he's straightforward, but (laughs) that doesn't mean he's not poetic about it. So obviously talking about, you know, an an oil well, you know, big steel arm driving down like the oil derrick. So this guy basically, as he says in the next lines, packed up my wife and kids when winter came along and we headed down south with just spitting a song. But they said, sorry, son, it's gone, gone, gone. So this guy's looking for work, gets all his kids in the car. You know, they don't have anything. So like you assume everything they own is just... This car and in this car and down they drive, and basically you know looking for work. And when they get down there, not finding anything, and so you know they they start to look around and they're like, oh, we all we see are homeless people. We see you know men hunkered down by the railroad tracks, uh, tents pitched on the highway in the dirty moonlight, and I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. So further on down the song, he's 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 parked his car, and so it
1: says parked in the lumber yard, freezing our asses off my kids in the backseat got a graveyard cough while I'm sleeping up in front with my wife, Billy Club tapping on the windshield in the middle of the night says, move along, man, move along. So here he is. He's he's basically impoverished, homeless, living in his car with his wife and kids, and they park just to to sleep. And you know, he hears his kids coughing in the back. They're probably hungry. They're probably sick. Something's not well. And then the billy club comes tapping on the windshield. So obviously this is a police officer tapping on the windshield and saying, you guys can't sleep here. You got to move along. So this is another thing that comes back a lot in Bruce Springsteen's songs where it's like, the people are poor and the, 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 the United States, the officials that are supposed to be helping people are not helping. And, you know, it could be the VA related to like Vietnam War veterans, or in this case, it could be a police officer who clearly should see, you know, this family is cold, sick, and tired and sleeping in their car. Maybe I should just leave them alone and let them sleep. But no, I'm going to tap on the windshield and tell them they have to move along and and do whatever. So, so yeah. So this is, you know, this is not, you know, woohoo USA. You know, this is this is a little bit more critical of 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 what these people are 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 having to go through.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that that theme of like, well, you you know, gotta go somewhere else like can't sleep here tonight is like a consistent thing and i i feel like i love how springsteen is always just like well where where like where are these people supposed to go what are these people supposed to do when you're in this kind of situation um and yeah i think you know yeah we we, we talked about that kind of fill in the blank of bruce springsteen you know in this case it's a police officer but you know somebody who could help and is not helping then the rest of the song is as this is not already kind of like intense enough. Bruce Springsteen loves to write. He loves he, lots of words. <laughs> so so then then he kind of like points the finger in, in the final passage uh, uh, or the final verse of the song. Um, I said passage again, yeah. that, that literary. <laughs> <Springsteen>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, at the end, well, big limousine, long, shiny and black. You don't have to look ahead and you don't look back. How many times can you get up after you've been hit? And that's kind of important, too, because in we've been making a lot of comparisons to Born in the USA, Born in the USA has the line um, about been beat so much, like, you know, just covering like that idea is already in there of just like how beat down can you get and how many times are you supposed to pick yourself up and, you know, dust off, cover up your wounds and like continue on. So we get that here, too. And he says, well, I swear if I could share the spit. I'd lay one on your shiny chrome and send you on your way back home.
1: That's a great line. I love that line because he's basically saying, I am like, you know, I am starving and dying of thirst slowly. And I would spit on your limousine as you drive by, but I can't because I need that spit. Like that's just that that's a great that's like a great uh like poetic way of describing what it what it what it must be like to be like absolutely totally impoverished. And and seeing, you know, seeing a limousine drive by and just, you know, feeling that, you know, that that need to sort of express how how upset and and frustrated life has been for you and just not being able to at all feeling like you can't even you can't even spit. On the car as it drives by because you're like, I have to conserve
0: that. Yeah. So the, the guy basically you know, gives advice to, to other people in this similar kind of situation that says, so if you're going to leave your town where the north wind blow, well, you better think twice on it, Jack. You're better off buying a shotgun off the rack. You ain't going to find nothing down here, friend, except seeds blowing up the highway and the south wind moving on, moving on. It's gone, gone. It's all gone. And I don't know, like Springsteen doesn't strike me as a kind of guy who just casually mentions like buying a shotgun <laughs> and possibly like <laughs> killing yourself or, shoot, you know, like, yeah, th- this, that's a pretty intense fucking line. Yeah. Like if you're thinking of coming down here, you're better off just putting yourself out of your misery, like before driving your family down here, like just just do yourself in and be done with it because it's like not worth what I'm going through right now, this this protagonist is telling us, and that's fucking intense. <laughs> it's 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 really intense. And remember, just you know, for people who are 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 following
1: along here, and and maybe maybe need a little bit of a reminder, this is in the early '80s. Okay, this is you know this is 40 years ago, basically. Okay, so this is a long time ago. This is not you know the the the, the dialogues that we're having now about. Uh, poverty and minorities and the struggle and the American dream and, you know, uh, wealth disparity, you know, all these topics that have been coming up a lot in news and on social media and all that stuff. Like this was not as big of a thing back then. You know, this is this is the time of the 80s boom. This is when wealth is like flowing through the United States, but only to certain people. And so this was this was this is not the this is doesn't seem like the type of song that you'd associate with this time period. So Bruce Springsteen was obviously tapped into what was really going on in the United States uh well before, you know, anyone else was really noticing.
0: Yeah, and it's part of I think that enduring quality of Springsteen is like giving voice to, you know, people in these situations, even if it's, you know, fictionalized, um, you know, you can imagine some situation where, you know, people, people have gone through this, like this, this isn't, you know, uh, uh, just him, you know, being like, well, I just pulled this idea out of nowhere. You know, this is seeing like people around him struggling, and especially probably, you know, traveling around the country, you know, some of the things you probably, you know, see, or hear about along the way. And I think this song is, is, is interesting. I mean, we talked about all the different arrangements and we've looked at the lyrics and I feel like one of the reasons that, that Scott and I think that maybe, again, it hasn't been committed to a a studio version or seemingly, you know, Springsteen is, is, uh, hasn't, you know, settled on where this song belongs except in a live act. But it's funny because I feel like, some of these things crop up in other places. Like he almost plays the song and then it inspires him to write another song that's related to this one or inspired by it. Um, Just as a couple examples here, I feel like Seeds in some way is an early version of the ghost of Tom Joe that talks about, you know, the homelessness, like people kind of just sleeping in their cars, um, people looking for work and not knowing what to, you know, not knowing what to do. And even in that song, there's, you know, uh, he talks about a preacher, like taking a gun out. Um, and again, that idea of just like, well, what are you supposed to do when you're like starving and destitute and you're out of options? Like, you know, grabbing that shotgun off the rack, whether that's to like harm yourself or get something from someone um, or in ghost of Tom Joad, you know, taking, taking out, you know, a gun, like at what point are people kind of pushed too far? And I feel like Springsteen really managed to to, to capture that in here. Um, and I think it's also interesting in that ghost of Tom Joad connection. When he did that tour, he only played seeds one time on that tour and it's been kind of consistently played over the years Um, since the song debuted so it's kind of interesting that maybe he thought like oh maybe it's too much to have these two tracks in here in one show because I'm kind of hitting the same point you know that that I'm hitting with this other song just one other comparison I want to make is to um, a song called This Hard Land which was written about the same time and ended up in a studio version on the greatest hits in 1995 so again thinking about picking and choosing songs maybe he was just like oh I'm gonna do this one instead of Seeds and I just want to read the beginning lyrics because I think you'll kind of see the connections there to the end of seeds with the, the seeds blown down the highway. Um, so this hard land starts out, well, hey there, mister, can you tell me what happened to the seeds I've sown? Can you give me a reason, sir, as to why they've never grown? They just blown from around from town to town, back out to these fields where they fall from, from my hand back into the dirt of this hard land. So again, that idea of connecting, you know, that that rootlessness of, you know, people struggling looking to find something you know often it's work sometimes you know for first spring scene it's love or connection in some other way um but seems to just be you know like i don't like i said this sort this this song seems to be like a well that he kind of like taps into maybe like does a tour and it's just like oh that reminds me of this other song i wrote or i'm gonna finish this other one and again i i I don't know It, it just is interesting that everything seems to be here and it seems to be such an important song especially to come up like on tour after tour I mean this guy's written hundreds of songs you could choose anything and to continually choose to put this one in in the live set without it being anywhere else it's just I don't know it's really interesting to me
1: I will admit that I came to Bruce Springsteen a lot later than I probably should have, Uh, you know, being a music fan and also being an American and growing up in New England, you know, you would think that Bruce Springsteen would have been a major part of my my music listening life from the beginning, but it really wasn't. And I think it was because I just didn't really, I didn't dive into Bruce Springsteen because I just didn't didn't care to because I was only basing out my my perception of Bruce Springsteen from from the radio and at the time when I was growing up you know this was as Jason described uh you know back in in the beginning of the episode with the history the when I grew up in the 90s you know this was like you know not the best time for Bruce Springsteen you know a lot of his records weren't doing well critically he wasn't working with the E Street Band uh you know in 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 much of a capacity at all and that was you know obviously a big mistake his albums weren't selling well and his tours weren't doing as well as they used to and and all that but uh anyway so when i was growing up i didn't really get into bruce springsteen and then i started working at a record store and uh the manager of the record store was was a huge bruce springsteen fan uh, absolutely enormous bruce springsteen fan and uh when we started talking about like what you know bands we like or whatever. And he mentioned Springsteen, you know, I said, I was like, yeah, I never really got into Springsteen. He's like, oh my God, he's like Scott, he's my favorite. He's everything. He's, he's the most important thing to me ever. And uh, so I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's interesting. You know, cool. And I still, you know, didn't really give much uh, uh, accord to, to Springsteen. It wasn't until uh, the manager of the record store put on the album Born to Run and played it from front to back. And so I'm working at the record store, stocking sheet CD shelves, you know, doing whatever and listening to this music uh, play and hearing a lot of songs that I had never heard on the radio before, you know, and obviously Border was a huge album. So there were plenty of songs on there that I had heard before, but never in a complete, you know, beginning to end kind of fashion. And by the end of it, when Jungle Land came in, which is, you know, probably my favorite Bruce Springsteen song of all time. When Jungle Land started and, you know, Clarence Clemens' sax solo comes in and the band's just like, just the power of that song closing out this powerful, powerful record. Finally, I got it. I was like, okay, I understand what's going on here now. This is not just, you know... A dude writing some some songs like Streets of Philadelphia or some big '80s pop hits like Born in the USA. Like there is something here that I that I have been ignoring. Well, not ignoring, but something here that I just never knew about until now, and that kind of got me into it. And I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna listen to Born to Run more often. I bought Born to Run, listened to that, started really like it, and then I started listening to all the other stuff. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, Bruce Springsteen is actually pretty amazing. <laughs> and so it took me a long time to get there, but I finally did get there. And uh, so, yeah, so when I think about Bruce uh, and I think about like a song like Seeds and and the other songs that are on the Born in the USA album and and his live show and all that stuff, I really just think about, you know, the power that he exerts in his music, you know, like we've talked about his lyrics and how and how poetic and powerful they can be. Um, but just the band his his presence and his energy, and you know there's a reason that they call him the boss. I guess is the best way that I could put it. The reason that they call him the boss is because when you're in Bruce Springsteen's arena or whatever, he is the boss he's he's the one who's rallying the troops and being like we're we're gonna get through this together. I'm the leader. come with me. I'm gonna take you to. And this is a Bruce Springsteen joke, The Promised Land. And you know, I, I think that you know, when you feel that energy, you understand what's going on. And 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 to be honest, you don't even need to go to a show to feel it. All you need to do is listen to him live. Just find a live record. Get this 1975 to 85 live compilation. Like it's great, there's amazing stuff on here obviously Seeds being one of them. So yeah, I think that if you're like me and you've just thought of Bruce Springsteen as being like kind of like a whatever, he's a dude, he'd write some songs, that's cool, whatever. Um, You you need to sort of see him live and, and experience what it is because clearly that's really important. And the fact that this song has never been recorded in a studio and has been played multiple times, hundreds of times over the years just goes to show that, you know, the live show is the heart of what Bruce Springsteen does. And uh, and it'll help you understand more about him, I guess.
0: Until Scott just mentioned it, I hadn't really thought about that. How hard it was to be in the '90s with everyone being like, "Bruce Springsteen is so great," and as a kid, you're just kind of like, um, <laughs> given, <laughs> I, given I, like missing nice need- something. <laughs> yeah, and not that I don't like the the stuff that came out in the '90s, but yeah, I mean, it's there's there's a clear disparity between the the quality of the music in the 70s and 80s that, you know, pe- the people who are telling us that Springsteen is great, you know, them having that having been their era of Springsteen. Yeah, I never really thought about how just weird it was a, a time for um, us to to be growing up and, and trying to get into Bruce Springsteen. And I think that kind of ties into a little bit of my experience, which has just been kind of this slow growth of appreciating Springsteen as time has gone on. And I think that might be part of it. It's like if you're, you know, a a teenager, some of these themes might not like be that relatable i mean he writes about you know like young people falling in love um you know trying trying to find work and the directions their life has taken but if you're younger and you haven't like experienced a lot of life it's just kind of seems like far away and distant and maybe a little bit more difficult to relate to especially in terms of you know all your choices of things to listen to out there you're like i can listen to something you know more more relatable for me and I think that's kind of what I did was I just listened to things that like made a lot more sense to me. And now that I'm, you know, older and in my, you know, mid thirties now listening to some of these songs, I'm like, oh, I get what you're saying. Like, I get the feelings that are, you know, you're 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 sharing here. And I've seen people whose lives have kind of like gone this way and that way. And, you know, even in my own personal struggles, you know, and, and I think that's been kind of the thing that's made me, appreciate springsteen more over time is it's not it it was it's i I had the greatest hits you know love the greatest hits and then i feel like you start to branch out and you're like okay yeah here you know born to run is like you know a must-have and it's like you listen to that and then born in the usa and it just kind of like expands from there and it's funny because in listening to more and more one of the things that oddly i had avoided was seeing springsteen live and I think the reason for that is I feel like every band when I see them live, it's like I know everything. Like I know all the songs. And I feel like for Springsteen, I don't. And I'm like, oh, do I like deserve to be there? Like <laughs> How could well, you know all the songs? Well, like, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's like so and, many. <laughs> I know. Like when I reflect back on this, I'm just like, you're 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 stupid. Like you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I, I, But yeah, no, I, I like have this feeling of just like, well, in order to appreciate the show, then you have to know all of all of the songs. And I feel like that's been true for probably basically everyone I've seen is just like, okay, I know everything that, you know, I, I, I have all the albums. I have all the singles with the B sides I have, you know? And so I always felt like kind of intimidated going. And then probably at the time I would have thought about going, you know, COVID hits and suddenly there's like no live music for, you know, this, this long stretch of time. And it, it, it was weird uh not going to see a live show or looking at my calendar and not having like oh i have this concert to look forward to or this thing and so now that things are kind of easing at least where we are in 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 new england um springsteen as i, I think we mentioned somewhere in the show or, or i mentioned it in the history at least um springsteen did this broadway show where he kind of takes everyone through his inspirations for you know his his persona and where he comes from and his family and reflecting on his career and he had done a run of these shows and then obviously when when COVID hit everything shut down and then he came back with these and revamped the show a little bit and I was like I think this is the thing I want to see like this is this is kind of the thing that that will make me feel more comfortable going to. And maybe it's because I was able to watch the the Netflix special. So I knew, I was like, okay, I know all the songs I know. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny how, um, you know, we mentioned obviously several times what an amazing performer he is. And I wasn't really sure how I would feel. A, it's the first live show I've been to in, you know, like well, over a year and a half. And then B, being like this thing that I know is like all planned out and it's that's kind of weird for springsteen because it's like he'll you know play whatever you know people hold up a sign he'll be like okay i'll play that song you know he'll switch up the set list so i was like "Am, am i doing myself a disservice by going to see this thing that is all you know kind of like calculated and he's done a bunch of times um also like can i even get tickets and even that experience was like sort of crazy because he only did like i think 30 shows tickets went on sale obviously there's probably you know 100,000 people probably trying to buy tickets all at the same time, but I managed to luck out and get seats in the very last row (laughs) of the theater, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm in the building. Um, And my wife and I went to the show and it was perhaps like the most emotional show. Like, I mean, I'm like fighting back tears during the show because it's just like, it's unreal just how personal he gets and how relatable. Uh, I mean, he talks about, you know, his, his father struggling with like depression and things. He talks about his mother having Alzheimer's, you know, he talks about born in the USA and, you know, seeing these veterans and the experiences they went through talking about people he knew that never came back. And it was just, it was unreal to me. And I'm just so glad I went and it's, it it made me understand a little bit more about like just that experience of like being in the root in the same room as Springsteen, like Scott mentions, you know uh, just how commanding his presence is without with, with being a fairly unassuming guy. I mean, he's just like, if you were walking down the street, you'd just be like, Oh, there's just this guy. But, like, when he gets up on stage and give him a guitar or a piano or whatever, and it is just, like, unreal. Um, so, you know, partly, probably, you know, not having seen live music in a long time, you know, having to hear this guy, like, you know, expressing these, like, really personal things, it gave me just this, like, whole new level of appreciation for Springsteen that I feel like, you know, I, I like I said, I was getting more into him and I'd, you know, throw it on every once in a while and now I feel like he's been more in my regular you know um playlist of things of just like you know what i'm gonna listen to some springsteen right now and i feel like it's it's weird hearing you know mid-30s jason say that (laughs) teenager jason was to hear me they'd be like that's weird what what's happened to you man (laughs) but it's you know and, and and i feel like yeah for for springsteen it's just like you just need to you know hit it at i i think just get into them at the right time what you know it doesn't it doesn't matter you know like what age you are you just need to figure out like some some something connects to you and with especially with his music and um I don't know what else to say but I I never thought I would be you know sitting in a small theater watching Bruce Springsteen like fighting back tears because it's just I I just and and I don't know so I just really appreciate that experience and I'm glad that You know, as much as I would love to see, you know, the full three-hour, you know, balls-to-the-wall E Street Band show, there's something really like special about that, and I feel like maybe that's the side of Springsteen that I connect to more. You know, he does like these quiet acoustic albums every once in a while, um, and maybe that's just you know the that's that's the Springsteen that works for me. Please visit our website at www.skiptonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule.
1: We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skiptonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.